12,000 fans here at Bramlage Coliseum spilling out onto the court. A huge celebration as Kansas State, for the first time since 1983, has knocked off the Kansas Jayhawks in Manhattan. Bring on the podcast. Here's your host, A. Hernali. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring on the Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson, and... I don't really want to talk about football a whole lot this week, so it's just going to be me and Eric Rubottom talking mostly about basketball. Eric, does that sound good to you? That sounds great. Before we get started, uh, we're recording this on Veterans Day, so a uh, big shout out to all of our uniformed soldiers uh, in the military and armed forces and everything like that. Happy to have you guys uh, doing what you do. Absolutely. And, you know, as Mitch Holtis noted, Several times during the, or no, no, it wasn't Mitchell. It was um, actually it was Wyatt during the K State game Saturday. I think noted several times that it was, you know, it's the hundredth anniversary of the World War One. So kind of uh, cool, especially cool this year. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, Kansas State did did pull out a win. I think everybody sort of breathed a sigh of relief that hey, at least we didn't lose, but not a whole lot of positive takeaways and certainly I don't think it's changed a lot of feelings about how, how we feel about this team. Yeah in general it was uh well we've seen let's see here we've seen two regular season games and well this this last one against Denver was ugly there's really nothing you can say about it defensively and eh, I mean I think we gave up uh, a little bit more on the defensive end than we probably should have but mm-hmm. this team needs to find some offense and it needs to find it in a hurry. Yeah yeah the Kennesaw State game I mean K-State's defense I thought was really good. They Kennesaw State made some ridiculous shots even if they get to 41. Uh, oh, yeah, we <laughs> held them to 14 points in the second half. I mean, yeah. you can't complain about the, the defense there, but these guys couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat right now shooting the basketball. Yeah, and at some point you're going to play teams that don't turn it over so much, and that's where K-State's getting a lot of their points right now. You can't always rely on that. Yeah, I would, I would have a tendency to agree with you, but what we have seen, you know, in the in the past year or two is uh, we we've had the ability to turn teams over, even when we sit there and say eventually we're going to run into somebody that doesn't. Barry and Xavier and Cam and those guys, they got a knack for for hunting the basketball out when they're on defense. So I think the defensive pressure and the uh, the turnovers are still gonna are still gonna be there regardless of who we play. But um, what we're seeing is really the same team as we saw last year. This team struggles in a half-court set with ball movement, and then when we do have open shots, knocking them down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the shooting has to get better. It's terrible. It's got to. I mean, we won't even talk about the free throws, but the three-point shooting. Oh, let's talk about the free throws. (laughs) Let's go ahead and talk about it because we are we are halfway to a new arena. We've shut, we've thrown up so many bricks from the free throw line in two games already. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I thought it was good. You know, the first game it looked like it was primarily it was it was Austin Trice who isn't a, it obviously is not a great free throw shooter. It was Levi Stockard missing some free throws. So the free throws in the first game really wasn't I guess 
seeing who was shooting them, it wasn't super surprising that we weren't great. Man, we had a lot of looks from Xavier and from Dean yeah. and from Barry and from Cam from the free throw line today, and just there's something something in the water right now because nobody can buy a bucket from Charity Stripe. Yeah, and I, mean, I assume you were watching the game on ESPN3 like I was. Uh, the color guy was talking about how Austin <laughs> Trice's horrible free throw shooting might have to make the K-State think about the way it approaches its drives differently. Like, you, you know, should you shoot it and hope that he rebounds instead of dishing it off to him? You know, do you think there's uh, anything to that? I feel like that'd be really hard to teach. It's really hard to teach that. Um, you know, even just playing pickup ball. If you're trained to play with all five players on the floor, man, you, and you know you've done it playing pickup basketball, you've got that guy out there that is just a liability on offense that you don't want to throw him the ball. When when you've been taught to play five man basketball, it's really hard to keep the, to to not hit that guy when he's open. The first time they were talking about it, Mike McGurl, you know, dumped it off to Austin for a a good look from the block, and he got fouled on that, so it wasn't that big of a deal. That I could give or take in the context of that comment. But uh, the second one was uh, was Dean Wade taking it into the into the heart of the, the the paint there and dumping it off, and that's one that I go to Dean and say, "That's your bucket, dude. Go score mm-hmm. it." And the other thing that could come up with Austin's freezer shooting is, I mean, that kind of almost makes him unplayable in a close game down the stretch, doesn't it? Like teams uh, recognize it, that. It, it does. I mean, it's the it's uh, KU's dealing with the same thing just down the right. down the street with uh, mm-hmm. Azubuke too. Uh, you know, not being able to make free throws and being a liability liability at the end of the games. The reality is, is that unless we've got some foul trouble, I think we're not going to see uh, Austin Trice uh, at the closing mo- moments of the game. Anyways, you're probably going to see a lot more of what we saw tonight with that small ball lineup with mm-hmm. the uh, the three guards X and uh, and Dean in there. Right. Right. And I did want to say um, congrats to you. I, we, we had a little discussion about who would kind of get that uh, guard starting spot. And, um, you know, X back in the lineup, we saw Cartier was the one who went to the bench. I thought it might be Cam that was on the bench. Um, so kudos to you on that. But, yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. If I'm willing to accept those kudos, because <laughs> what I said he was going to be there is that, like, <laughs> I'm not going to mince words offensively other than, you know, he got some assists last game. Cam got some assists tonight and that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. It was good to finally see him hit a shot tonight. But I'll tell you what, across two games, especially that first game, Cam was atrocious on offense. Uh, Just, you know, coughing the ball up, taking bad shots, not being able to hit the good shots. You know, I think... Cam's the starter because of the experience and that sort of thing. He's still out there playing hard, but man, he was—he's he, having a rough time through two games making good decisions. Yeah, I thought it was interesting and maybe telling that the one shot he did hit was with the shot clock running down, where he had to force it up quick. There was no time to think about it, you know, no time to worry about it. I, I, maybe. You wonder if it's a little bit of a mental block for him shooting-wise. I think it's a mental block for everybody right now shooting-wise. I mean, Barry finally started putting the ball, you know, pouring it in a little bit tonight. But Cam, you can tell he's he's thinking about it. Cartier, you can tell he's thinking about it. You know, once X started missing a couple shots here and there, he started thinking about it. Dean Wade's shot is really flat right now. I mean, he's throwing it at the basket instead of getting arc on the on the, the shot. A little bit of the pot calling the kettle black because I've had a, a naturally pretty flat <laughs> shot my entire life. But uh, I also don't play Division One basketball, so. Um, <laughs> 
So, I mean, all the guys right now, it's just they're kind of pressing it, and it's starting to become a men- it is starting to become a mental issue that uh, they're going to have to get it sorted out pretty quick. Yeah, and with Dean, I, you know, in, in the past for him, we've obviously we've worried about his confidence issues. He seemed to kind of figure it out the second half of the season, and I, I still feel like his floor is is higher than it once was. But you know, how much do we have to worry about his confidence, his offensive game? You know that's a that's a good question. It depends on. It, I think as he gets into the mode of being more aggressive, I think we we can worry about it less and less. I mean, let's be honest. The Dean didn't really have a very good game tonight either, and mm-hmm. he still finished with a double double. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and so that really should be almost the expectation every night this year. I, I'm not too worried about him just disappearing as much as you know just sticking with it and doing what he can on the basketball floor. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the two things that coming into the non-conference games before we play anybody good, like a, a Marquette or I'm not even sure if Missouri counts as a good team right now after they lose, lost Jonte Porter. But anyway, the, the two things that I worry about was the shooting. I wanted to see some outside shooting. Obviously, we haven't seen that. But also the rebounding. Was, and it, it seems like that is improved this year you know i guess we'll see just just how improved later on but you know what are your first impressions of the rebounding of this team small sample size to be to be honest with you uh the rebounding in the first game was really good against a a team that was relatively long it's good to have a player like trice come in that really has a, a just a non-stop motor that is going after going after rebounds and he had it again tonight. Uh, I think that he got called a cup for a couple of fouls that just weren't. But uh, <laughs> uh, it's good to see him, you know, stay after it even when he gets called for those kind of things. In general, I didn't even see the stats for tonight. I would be willing to bet that the rebounding was probably pretty even. Yeah, it tonight. was forty to thirty-five in favor of K-State. Okay, so we did come out on top. Um, what surprised me was actually just how disciplined of a boxing out team Denver was. Uh, Denver did a really good job holding their own on the on the boards you know what I, I see a little bit more hustle on the rebounding side of things from k-state this year so when they put when they play against teams that are just that really aren't that disciplined on the rebounding front i think we're gonna we're gonna have a much better rebounding team this year yeah yeah have you been to any denver university basketball games just one you i have never been to one nope okay. Okay. yeah it seemed like I mean, they're talking about them like they're a they're a decent mid-major team but not yeah, they are. Uh, they'll certainly be vying for the Summit League championship this year with uh, South Dakota and South Dakota State, I think, are the two better teams in that. Um, DU's actually a university that uh, their athletic programs are usually pretty decent. They've got a, a quality basketball team for a mid-major. Um, you know, they're certainly not a Gonzaga-type uh, mid-major, but they can make some noise when they, uh, when they play some people that might get overlooked, and uh, they play people tough. But uh, they also have a, a pretty uh, pretty good program when it comes to things like uh, like hockey and that kind of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. And so the the one guy we haven't talked about much, uh, Xavier Sneed, and it was nice to see him come out and hit a couple of jump shots early. Um, you know, one thing people have talked about a lot is X being the the X factor. You know, do you subscribe to that theory for the season? You know, I really do, and I, I will. Well, let's put it this way: I felt that way coming into the season. I haven't seen anything to change my mind yet. It really depends on how consistent Barry and Cam and Dean are going to be this year in order for him to, in, in order for Xavier to really be that kind of game changer, if you will. Uh, if we start to see some consistency issues, I would like to see Xavier Snead kind of jump up and, and be that point of consistency night in and night out. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I think we, we've learned that we didn't already know is that 
anybody hoping to regularly see the, the Creighton version of Mike McGrill is going to be disappointed this season. But I don't think it needs that from him. So. Probably. Uh, it's not to say that he's. Uh, it's not to say that uh, that McGirl's a substandard player by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, what we saw him in the NCAA tournament, man, the dude went on a bender. Uh, no one, <laughs> no one saw him coming, and he and he had some confidence, and just that that bucket looked like it was five feet around when when he was playing lights out in the tournament. Yeah. And so you know, the other thing I think about as I watch these games, and I don't know. Do you get this feeling? Maybe it's because, you know, it's been so long since we watched college basketball and we were watching it in March when it was a high level. Maybe it's because I've been watching some NBA games. But uh, the level of play is a little bit jarring in November. And I feel like this happens every year. Uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, the level of play right now from K-State is not indicative of the number in front of their in front of their name yeah. on the, on the uh, score ticker at the bottom. That is for That is for sure. Yeah. But even within the NCAA, I think there's a couple of there's a couple of really good teams, and I think that like just going from the number one team in the country to the number ten team in the country is a massive chasm right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think KU is a really good basketball team, uh, and that will uh, of course only get better uh, as they uh, get more shoe contracts in the door. Um, <laughs> and uh, Duke is Duke is otherworldly. Mm-hmm. Holy crap, those guys are good. So there's some there's some good teams at the top. I'm not really worried right now, to be honest with you, about K-State, even despite what we're saying about their shooting woes and, and that sort of thing. Because, again, this is not a different K-State team than what we've seen in the past. And this and what we've seen in the past is a team that traditionally plays to the level of their competition. So, uh, you know, I, getting some kind of, you know, eh competition on the, on the floor against them right now, and you're getting some eh you know, production yeah. out of, out of K-State, but you go back and you, what we read and, and saw uh, about the, the uh, scrimmage against Oregon, who's mm-hmm. also another good, you know, top mm-hmm. 15 type basketball team. And that was a drubbing for, right. for all intents and purposes. So uh, I think this is a team again, like we saw last year, that's going to be able to play to the level of their competition and hopefully their experience mm-hmm. and that sort of thing is going to win out more often uh, than it did last year. Yeah. You mentioned Duke. I think somebody should keep track this year of, how many defenders just get out of the way of Zion Williamson when he's, when he's running the break? I mean, that's what I, I would, would do. <laughs> I would. I ain't, I ain't going to be on that poster. Yeah. I guess scary. But, yeah, and the other thing that, that's maybe a little encouraging is, you know, we've seen Baylor lost at home to Texas Southern. West Virginia lost to Buffalo, who's a, a solid mid-major, but still not, not one you want to lose. And then Oklahoma State, did you see what happened in that one? They blew a 24-point lead, and they got kind of screwed at the end by that flagrant foul call. But still yeah, they still shouldn't. blew a 24-point lead. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, and no one expected Oklahoma State to be, you know, very good this year. So mm-hmm. that one, that one's uh, so the the West Virginia result was was shocking to me. Um, yeah. I really thought that West Virginia, especially at home, that game was in, in Morgantown, right? Right. Right. Yeah, I, that's just a place that you don't go win if you're a, if you're not a conference foe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it kind of is what it is. It's early season basketball. It's hard to really put any stock in anything right now. Yeah, and then I feel for our friends at Iowa State. They've had some serious injuries. Hopefully, Wigginton is able to to get back at some point. Cause yeah, he's definitely. fun to watch. Yeah, I enjoyed. 
Yeah, I mean, the, 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 as much as I would like to see, you know, the, the parting of the Red Sea for, for K-State to really, you know, <laughs> just be able to kind of cakewalk their way to uh, competing for a, or for a conference championship this year, at the end of the day, the, the conference is better when everybody's good uh, and everybody's yeah. healthy and, and that sort of thing. So, Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so but talking about that, you know, K-State, actually I was talking with Ty a little bit and Thinking about last season was was really kind of boring in some ways because K State didn't have a whole lot of down to the wire games and they they won the games they were supposed to and they lost to the the conference's elite teams. Um, so yeah, you know, it, it was they were pretty predictable. Yeah, that's yeah, for sure. They really were. So you know, how do they make that jump this year? And maybe now I'm not saying like how do they go win in Lawrence, but you know, how do you make sure you beat some of the top teams and, and get that second place finish? Well, it's going to start with being able to find a shot. You know, if these guys can come out and show that they're going to that they can start making some shots with uh, with some consistency on a regular basis, then I'm going to be much more confident about going to places like Morgantown or Ames or uh, Austin, for that matter. Um, you know, going and going and playing on the road, and, and you know, having the experience that these guys do is definitely going to be helpful as well. While it's a pretty much the same exact team as it was before, they all have another year of experience without really losing anybody. So. You know, having four years of going on the road and playing in places like Morgantown and Lawrence and Austin and Ames, uh, it's certainly helpful. And if we can go out there and make a few shots in the game and keep the game close, play tough D on the road, uh, that I think that experience is really the factor that'll take you over that hump. Yeah, and it feels like more so than last year, maybe a guy like Dean Wade or Barry Brown can just kind of put the team on his back and go nuts in one of those games. Yeah, we saw. It, I mean, we saw it tonight at home against Denver that Barry Brown had to put the team on his back in the second half and will and will will these guys across the finish line. And the the cool thing is, is we've got at least two players on the team that that any given night are capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and since we're talking about that, what do you think of, of Dean Wade as Big Twelve Player of the Year? I think it's well-deserved, but he's not really playing to that billing quite yet. But again, like I said, small sample size. We're two games into the season. You keep in mind that, that Dean hasn't really played competitive basketball. He missed out on all of the postseason stuff at the end of the year and everything like that. So while everybody else is kind of coming off the high of, a, of an Elite Eight uh, appearance and you know beating mm-hmm. teams like Kentucky and that sort of thing last year, Dean Wade's coming off of an injury for the yeah. most part. So. I would love to see him finish the the season as the as the actual Big Twelve Player of the Year. He's going to have a lot of competition for it. One thing that might benefit Dean actually is it seems like Bill Self has one of the deeper teams he's had in years, so he may have some guys that are the most talented players, but don't necessarily have the production, which you know could be bad for anybody else's chances of actually winning the Big Twelve, but could be good for for Dean's chances of Player of the Year. Yeah, I would agree with that. With pretty much every point that you just made there, Bill Self's team this year uh, is certainly deeper than normal. De- certainly deeper than it was last uh, appeared to be last year. But there isn't that one player other than Azubuke that really stands out to you. That is the that kind of that transcendent player that uh, that Bill Self usually has on his team. So. Uh, you know they're going to find one. There's going to be yeah. one that pops out by the end of the year. It's, it'll just be interesting yeah. to see who it is. Well, Dietrich Lawson is the guy everybody talks about. I don't know. I didn't watch him a whole lot when he was at Memphis. 
but you know, I, I watched uh, I watched most of the case the the KU uh, Michigan State game the other night, mm-hmm. um, and Diedrich Lawson was really I guess the player that impressed me the most off of their team. Their freshman I don't remember his name that was just shooting lights out. I don't think that's something they're going to be able to count on every night. But that, yeah, Diedrich Lawson was certainly uh, certainly looked like a, a pretty high quality basketball player to me. Mm-hmm. Another thing I wanted to ask you about KCC fans is you know and I. This is maybe something I do try to do every year. Look at KSA and say, "Hey, you know, maybe this is the year where they finally start speeding things up and play a little bit more exciting basketball." Is there any reason to believe that happens this season? Well, I think they should. <laughs> uh, is it going to happen this year? You know, I think the. K State's going to be a team that really that really scores out of off of their defense and that sort of thing. Active mm-hmm. turnovers, uh, turning the ball around and, and heading the other way to score a bucket, scoring easy buckets that direction is going to speed the game up a little bit. But I would not expect this team to be a team that's going to be pulling the bucket the ball out of the bucket off of made shots and running the other way. You know, really trying to push the tempo and that sort of thing uh, off of missed shots, off of rebounds. Uh, I, and I, I really can't tell you why that wouldn't be the case. You know, we've got the depth to do it, especially with the kind of the, the bent towards a smaller lineup like we have. It just seems to me like it would be a good idea to do that, especially given the fact that we know that, you know, we have we have plenty of empirical evidence from last year as well as, you know, two games so far this year that when this team gets stuck in a half-court offense, it's it's tough to watch. <laughs> That's true. Well, I think the biggest reason it wouldn't happen is just Bruce Weber's teams never seem to do that, but... They, they they really don't. He doesn't emphasize pushing. He doesn't emphasize pushing the tempo. I think he emphasizes pushing the ball to take advantage of another team that's not getting back, but not really forcing the issue. I guess. Yeah. Speaking of Bruce, uh, what do you think of? I don't know if you saw Kellis's feature, confident Bruce. Uh, you know, but just the way that he's been really hyping this team up a lot, and it's a, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of like. Saying a lot, a lot of the same things he was saying before, but now it's, it's charming and 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 people are, are liking it. Whereas yeah. before, it kind of was like, oh, I don't know. But I, I've always looked at it as, and I think we've talked about this some before, is that the players like it. That's really all that matters. But uh, yeah, I mean, if it if it works and you win basketball games, then I'm all for it. I think a big part of it right now, honestly, is uh, he's saying a lot of the same stuff, and he's. He's, he's kind of saying it in a fashion of like, now you guys are seeing what I've been seeing for the last couple of years, which just took mm-hmm. a little time to get there, making a trip to the, the Elite Eight and winning some basketball games in the NCAA tournament and that sort of thing. Uh, will certainly do a good job of removing skepticism from a lot of people. So coming into the season, you know, based off of how we finished the season last year and seeing what we could be really, you know, there's, there's a lot of reason to be looking up to what this team could be this year. Yeah, and I think with some teams you might worry about that going to their head, but with all the experience that we talked about, and especially a leader like Barry Brown, it, it seems like that's not as much of a concern. I mean, do you see Barry as like a, as good of a leader as a, as a Rodney, Rodney Magruder or Jacob Poland was? Absolutely. 
Um, absolutely. I think that he's got a lot of the, uh, a lot of the attitude and a lot of the swagger that, uh, that both those guys had. I do think that the entire team looks up to him, even your preseason big, uh, big 12 player of the year, Dean Wade, <laughs> I think, uh, really looks to, looks to Barry as being the team leader and that sort of thing. If I had one criticism that I've seen in the two games so far this year, and it really stuck out to me last, uh, in the first game against Kennesaw state, maybe a little bit, uh, a little less flexing, a little more getting his own guys, uh, uh, hyped up and that sort of sure. thing and maybe that's uh you know maybe that that's what the other guys feed off of a little bit that's just a personality thing for me mm-hmm. yeah i think that's fair so yeah i mean are we gonna learn a whole lot about this team like before the we get the marquette seems like the the big jump up but how do you look at the rest of this non-conference schedule? You know, I'll be honest with you. If we could, if we can make it through the Paradise Jam with a uh, without dropping a game, then I think that we'll we will have learned something at that point, and that is that these guys will come out and win basketball games regardless of whether it looks pretty or looks ugly or that sort of thing. The real big test is going to be going on the road to Marquette. Uh, that's going to be the game that if I if I was to look at the non-conference slate, that's the big one to circle and say, you know, let's see, let's see what comes out of there. Because if we can go on the road against Marquette and get a win, then I'm confident that we can go on the road anywhere in the Big 12 and get a win. Mm-hmm. Or even to Tulsa. Uh, I want to go just crush Tulsa. Yeah. That was ridiculous last year. And don't get me started on how, like, who is in charge of scheduling that you play a that you play a quote unquote home and home where your home game is halfway between your actual home arena and their home arena, and then you go play in their place. Like, who does that? Yeah, yeah, it's not great. Like I understand trying to get out and play games in front of your your fans in Wichita and that sort of thing. Fine, go play games in Wichita against someone from California or someone from Georgia or something like that. Don't do it against Tulsa, who's you know three hours away. Yeah, did you see? I saw one of the more bizarre scheduling quirks in the Big Twelve this year was TCU is playing a tournament out in Hawaii. It's at the Diamond Head Classic, I think, mm-hmm. and they decided before they take their flight home. They're gonna stay an extra couple of days and play in a Division Two team's arena, and play the Division Two school. Really? <laughs> yeah. That is uh, uh, that's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, I, I would expect more, and I'm I'm not gonna I'm not saying this in the uh, uh, in this kind of condescending fashion that it might come out at, but out out as, but I would expect more out of TCU. You know, Jamie Dixon, and uh, the, he's got a team down there that should be competitive this year and the, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's um, kind of weird. I don't know if they played both of their exhibition games this year. That might count as one of, as, as one of their exhibitions. I don't Maybe, know. But it, it's one of those Christmas tournaments. So it's it's December 28th. They're playing at Hawaii Pacific. Huh. You know? <laughs> very strange. Well, it's a nice time of the year to be there, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Kind of keeps the kids from going home for the holidays, though. That's a bummer. Yeah, it sure does. But yeah, no. I honestly, if I had to pick a sleeper in the Big Twelve, I think I'd pick TCU because they got some talent coming back, and then they've got a bunch of new guys that we just don't know a whole lot about. But it seems like a pretty strong recruiting class. They're kind of a wild card. Yeah. Uh, they are kind of a wild card because, uh, like you said, uh, you know, Jalen Fisher's a basketball player. If that dude could just stay healthy, 
you know, I like he he's a legit all Big Twelve level basketball player. Um, yeah. And yeah, they've got a bunch of new guys coming in that have some chops. It's uh, it'll be interesting to see how they finish this year. Yeah, yeah. I was talking with my buddy who's the SID out there, and obviously he's got some purple coat glasses on, but he's still you know a guy that I trust to be rational. And he said, based on what I've seen this summer, like number twenty one is too low. Like this team should be ranked but higher than that. So we'll see if that plays out. Well, everybody thinks they ought to be ranked higher. <laughs> That's true. So. If you had to make a, a projection for for K State and you know maybe even you know, throwing the rest of the the Big Twelve, you know who's going to be in those like two through five spots if we give KU the number one spot? Well, if we if we have to sit here and uh, and give KU the number one spot, <laughs> then I'm going to say uh, you know I think I, I do think if K State plays to their capability for 18 games, that they'll end up number two. It's not going to be a big gap between KU and uh, and the the, the two spot if, uh, if KU does end up winning it. I think you know it might be a, at most a two game difference, but I'm willing to bet it'll be a one game difference. I think you're going to see K State up there. I think you're going to see, you're going to see West Virginia up there. I think you're going to see. I actually think you're going to see TCU up there. Part of me says that uh, that you're probably going to see Texas up there. Mm-hmm. And that's probably going to be your two through five. Yeah, yeah. I, I still believe in Chris Beard at Texas Tech in the long run, but I think he's just lost so much talent. They're going to have a hard time. Yeah, keeping up this year. Yeah, that, that's really the big thing. Is uh, I think they're going to see a pretty big drop off in just in what their team's capability is from last year. Mm-hmm. And so you know, given that, I think you know, I think we can look at the non-conference and, and K-State should be able to get through that with one or two losses at most. And you do that, you finish second in the Big Twelve. That that's probably good enough for a top four seed, right? If you if if K State makes it through the non conference with with one or two losses, as well as a top four or as well as a second place finish in the Big Twelve, I think that's at, that's yeah easily a top four a, a four seed or higher. What I would say right now is that if K State really plays as well as everybody thinks they they they're capable of playing. This team should be a should be probably a three seed or higher, and uh, you know as long as K State can make it through that Marquette game with a win, they really shouldn't lose a non conference game. Mm-hmm. The reality is is they're pro- they are probably going to drop one just because of that again that that strange thing with this team of always mm-hmm. playing to the level of their competition. I mean I don't I don't know that this team has ever truly blown anybody out. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, and while you know part of me says that you know that's concerning, another part of it means that you know they know how to deal with close games. Mm-hmm. So silver well, linings, I, mean, I guess. Bandy went on the road and beat USC recently. That's a decent win. They'll be coming to Manhattan, so that's one. K State falls asleep. They could lose. Yeah, that's a that's a Sprint Center game, isn't it? Yeah, you might be right. Actually, yeah, the Wildcat Classic at Sprint Center. So, yeah. You know, I think yeah. Vandy's a Vandy's a good basketball. Uh, Vandy's a solid basketball team. They'll be probably middle to upper half in uh, in the SEC. The thing about Vandy is they're tough to play at their place just just because the weird <laughs> uh, court layout and that yeah. sort of thing. But yeah. uh, you know, I I don't know enough about uh, I don't actually know enough about USC this year to know whether or not going on the right. road and beating USC is really a feather <clears throat> to stick in your hat or not. <laughs> yeah, hard to say. Well, uh, so. Let me one more thing, and I kind of hesitate to ask because I don't want anybody to think that that I expect this to happen. But if things go south for Kansas State, you know, how quickly do you think fans would turn back on Bruce Weber after the you know the 180 that everybody's done 
since last year? Uh, it depends on how quickly it happens. If it's the uh, the frog in the pot of boiling water parable, where we end up at the end of the year, and it, yeah, it could have been better, but it wasn't. But it was okay. I don't think anybody. I don't think people will really turn their back on them quickly. If we just catch a you know a bad run of cards, figuratively speaking, and end up losing a couple games in a row that we shouldn't lose. I would, ex- uh, you know, as much as it pains me to say it, I would expect to see, you know, some vitriol to start coming out pretty quick, be- just knowing that the ca- what the capability and the talent level is on this team right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so it- it's nice that K-State's actually playing a game uh, on Saturday, I believe. I wonder if that's going to be the same time as the football. That would be convenient. So, we'd have it. so, so we don't have to watch the football yeah. team? Yeah, so we'd have a ready you know, I, I made it. I made a comment. Be, uh, uh, it doesn't uh, look during, like it though. Actually, during the K-State, I made a comment during the K State KU game on Saturday uh, that was like, "How crazy is it that we're at a spot now where <laughs> both teams are glad it's basketball season?" Yeah, it's kind of weird, man. And the the weirdest. I mean, we were with that with, with TCU too. You know, and we talked to Melissa on that podcast. Like, those are two schools that that hasn't been true very often the last few years. Right. Uh, and I mean that. So for for those of you listening that aren't aware of this, I actually live out in Colorado. So I didn't even get to watch the K-State KU game on Saturday. I, I listened to it on yeah, TuneIn. I did the same out in Washington. So. And the only thing I can say is that uh, that might have actually been a benefit because yeah. instead of just having my ears bleeding by listening to it, my, you know, I was at least able to keep my eyesight. Yeah, that sounded bad. Yeah. I think my favorite part, and I don't know if you appreciated this, uh, was um, that last drive. Stan kept talking about how great Bender was playing and how good his composure was, and then he dropped the football. <laughs> that was the most KU football. Like seriously, that that was the most KU KU end to a KU football game ever. It, it was. I I don't know how to explain it other than you know from from my point of view other than. We didn't win that football game. They <laughs> lost that football game. They had, yeah. if, if they would have taken advantage of all the opportunities they had, they would have beaten us soundly. Yeah, and I worry that the Texas Tech might do just that on uh, Saturday because that's a team that can put up a lot of points for sure. Yeah, we'll find out, yeah. won't we? <laughs> Let's see. But the good news is, it looks like so. The football game I think is is earlier, and then the basketball game is at eight thirty. So that'll be a nice palate cleanser, hopefully. That'll be the game against either Northern Iowa or Penn, which probably will be the toughest game K-State's played so far this year. It should be the toughest game this year. Um, to be honest with you, I think that uh, I would prefer to play against Northern Iowa than Penn, um, even though that you know off the cuff you might say that Northern Iowa is the better team. I think that Penn is probably a team that knows that they're just going to have to ugly the game up. And if they <laughs> ugly the game up, then they're going to have a chance. And not only does that bring in, you know, bring lost possibilities into the equation, but it's also just not very fun to watch. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, hopefully it goes well. And, uh, yeah. Hopefully we'll be talking about a, a Paradise Cham- Championship next week. Okay. Yeah, I, I, we should. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. I, I would say that if we come away from that with a loss, that's unacceptable. I mean, that's just that's below par. So. Yeah. I think I might actually try to do a, do a football podcast next week, not necessarily because I want to talk about K-State football, but just because I enjoy talking to the guys from what right Natty Light, and I, I'd kind of like to hear about Iowa State's season, and it's, it's cool to see them doing so well. Yeah, definitely. That'll be good. 
All right. Well, Eric, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It was a good time as usual. It's uh, yeah. getting back into basketball season time that, uh, that I very much enjoy a parting shot on, take a parting shot at, uh, at bowl rings. Go bowl <laughs> rings. Oh, jeez. <laughs> was a, and I'll just I'll just leave one that one sit there. Yeah, it's not 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 a good look, K State. Not, not a good really. look. <laughs> All right, I'm Luke Thompson. Signing off.